Well, it's, uh, it's great to be here today and great to see you guys. You know, as we Phil mentioned, we, we start this series today more than enough, kind of leading us up to Thanksgiving when we think about what does it look like as we're grateful to God for the things that he's given us and we're grateful for the opportunities that he gives us to be a blessing and, and, and working through us. And so I just, over the next few weeks, we're going to look at what, what a difference can be made with a little bit of faith or a little bit of courage or a little bit of sacrifice and and uh, I, I want to talk to you specifically, some of you today that feel like you're settling in your life. You know, you, you had high hopes at some point, at one point or another, maybe you believed that God would do something really, really cool and really incredible through you or in your life, and you had faith for that, and, and you just knew that, that God was going to move in a big way in your life, and, and He'd use you to make a big difference, and, and, and then life just has a way of just keep happening. And it just kind of drags us down a little bit. Maybe not much went on in your life spiritually. Maybe you felt like you wandered off the path for a little bit and you started to settle when it comes to spiritual things. And now you haven't seen God do anything significant in a long time. Or maybe for you, you were, you were willing to settle for the consolation prize. You know, I, I don't need the big thing anymore. Like, maybe that's not in the cards for me. But if I could just, God, if you just do something, like maybe just something little, if anything, I'll take that. Just something that I can get a little bit excited about. And maybe you don't even have the faith that he will do anything at all. This is a message for you, if that's you today. If you feel like you're, you've settled. Or maybe you are trusting God for uh, him to send, you know, some of you ladies, maybe you're trusting God to send a man into your life. And not just any man, but you wanted a a handsome, hardworking guy that loves Jesus and, you know, got his head on straight. Maybe he would love to take you shopping, you know, spoil you a little bit. I just want, I just want that kind of a guy that's a, you know, would be a great father, a great provider, a great kisser, you know, all the glory of God, all that stuff. That's who I'm waiting for. And then at some point, the months turned into years and you just said, I'm just looking for a pulse at this moment. You know, if he's got a job, that's optional. That'd just be icing on the cake. But just whatever, just anybody. You guys, you know, you're, you're waiting for that lady. Like, you, you, you know, she's sweet as cherry pie. And, you know, what? Well, she's got her daddy's money and her mama's good looks and all that. Like, that's who I'm waiting for. And then it's like, at some point, just, just anybody will do. I just, I just don't, don't want to be alone anymore. We just, we just settle. Some of you, you know, that you feel like that's, that's me. That's where I've been. Or maybe with your job. You, you start out and you think about what do I, I know I was made to work and I'm, I'm made to produce something. And, and you think, you know, I, I know that I'm highly treasured by God. He's, he's given me gifts and talents and I want to work hard and I want to learn and I want to do something that's fulfilling in my life. But at some point you say, well, you give up those dreams and just say, you know, if I could just pay the rent, maybe if we had benefits, that'd be fine. I don't. I don't, I don't need anything beyond that. Or, you know, whatever, it's, it's with, your, with, with your parenting, you know. And, and you start out and you, there is no higher calling. There is no higher calling than raising children that are going to become healthy adults and love the Lord and help them to know who God is and who he's made them to be. I mean, that is, there is no higher calling than that. And, and you start off and you think, I'm going to be the best parent I can possibly be. I'm going to talk to my kids about the Lord. We're going to pray every night. I'm going to read to them. We're going to, you know, talk about, about good things. I'm going to help them. And then at some point, you're just like, God, help me to not kill them today. 
we just make it to bedtime. That's it. That's all I need. Just get me through this day and we settle. So I'm going to talk to those of you who have lowered your expectations of what God might do. Because the longer that we follow and we get disillusioned, life beats us up, we just sort of drift. And I want to give you a thought today that's just going to kind of run through the message. And this is such a simple, my my fear with this is I was writing this message and I'm trying to come up with a point that really sticks. You know, I always want that one thing, like what will they remember today? And and I'm going to give it to you. But my fear was that this seems so overly simplistic that you're going to brush it off and say, oh, well, I know that. I didn't have to come to church for that. But it's simple extremely powerful truth and hardly any of us in this room are believing this right now hardly any of us really believe this truth is that you have no idea what God will produce through a single seed planted in faith I know it's simple but you have no idea your your mind can't fathom the amazing things that God can and wants to do through a little bit of faith. Planting a single seed, we way underestimate. God's word is full of stories and accounts of God using small things, small people, overlooked people, you know, nothing, nothing really special or outstanding about them or these places or whatever, and he, and he did amazing things through that. And last week, if you were here, we talked a little about that, the, the passage where Jesus said, You know, if you've got faith, you can tell this mountain to be lifted up and thrown into the sea and and, and, and mountains can be moved. And we talked about how the the depth of that passage, and he's not saying go out and you can go out and start rearranging the landscape. That wasn't what it was, but he he was telling us something much deeper than that, which is when we trust and we have faith in the Lord, even the things that seem impossible, the obstacles that feel like they're never going to be overcome, All of that becomes possible when we have faith because we're walking with God. And because God is empowering us, he's giving us everything that we need. And this is, I really hope you don't miss this, is that it's not about you or me or our natural abilities, but it's about what God is going to do through them. That he is giving us everything that we need in order to do everything that he's called us to do. We can trust him. He can be trusted. Mountains move when we start walking with God. This is another verse in Matthew 13 where Jesus talks about small things making a big difference. He says, here's another illustration that Jesus used. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It actually grows into a tree. And birds come and make nests in its branches. Jesus would often, you know, you read through the New Testament, you read the Gospels, and you you recognize real quick that Jesus will, he tells these these stories or he's teaching, and you say, what what is he trying to get across here? Sometimes he tells a parable. It's like this fictional story, but it's got this deeper meaning. Other times it's kind of this metaphorical, okay, what what is he trying to describe? And how does this apply to my life. He says the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Well, what is that? What's the kingdom of God? In a broad sense, it is everything that God has authority over. Everything that he's created, it all belongs to him. It's, he's in control. But in a, in a more narrow sense, the kingdom of, of heaven, the kingdom of God, it's, 
It's, it, it's everything and everyone that has given authority to the Lord. If I have said, Lord, you take my life. You know, I, I, want, I want to be, I, I'm giving you the reins. I want, I want to give my life to you and I'm going to follow you. If you've done that, you are a part of the kingdom of God. You are a part of the kingdom of heaven. And it, it, this, this is a big deal. It might seem like it's a small little thing, a small little seed, a small little step. But do you think about your story. How did you get here today? And what, what are all the things that have been happening in your history and in your lifetime that's brought you to this moment where here on this Sunday morning, here you are, and I'm seeking God's purpose for my life. How, what are all the things that led up to that? And some of you say, yeah, I've been walking with, the, with God for a long time. Others of you say, you know, I'm not really sure what I believe about Jesus right now. I'm not sure where I stand with him. I'm just kind of trying to figure it all out. But I, I definitely feel like something's happening. There's something that's stirring up inside of me. It's the Holy Spirit that's doing that. All those things begin with just a small little step. Just a small little nudge, a small little seed that's been planted in your life that over time grows to become something that's absolutely life-changing. And it's for, for eternity. It, it's amazing. And, and I love the imagery of, of the mustard seed. Jesus says it, this, you start with this small little seed. It becomes this huge tree. I've got a picture of what they look like. That's, that's, a, that's a mustard tree. Uh, they're huge. And a mustard seed, just a tiny little speck of a thing. And I could see how birds would come along and want to build nests in that. But what, why did Jesus say that? That's the part that hit me. I'm like, okay, I get the mustard seed thing. Small things become big things, okay? And the kingdom of God is like that. Yeah, it starts with a small step. And it can, it can become something that's way, way bigger than, than ourselves. But, but what's the deal with the, the birds building nests? Why did he say that? It seems kind of out of place. What it means is that there is a benefit to others just because it exists. So you think about, you apply that to us, to the church. We are the people of God. We're, the, the church is the bride of Christ. The, you know, when you think about the tree, the birds didn't do anything to, to get that tree to exist. They, they did nothing, but they enjoy the fact that it's there. They have provision and protection because it exists. And this is true of the church. We are the people of God, and it's easy for us to forget what he has formed us for and what our role and responsibility is, especially in a time where it seems to be, I mean, let's just call it a spade a spade. This is a, a time in our culture where a lot of people tend to look down at the church. I was watching, uh, you know, yesterday, if you were watching any of the football stuff, I was watching college game day, and I noticed in the background, if you're watching, a lot of people holding up big banners that say, you know, talk to Jesus, and, you know, the Lord is there for you, and, and, and different things. I thought that was so cool, and, and I love that. It was, it was encouraging to me, but I also recognize there's a lot of people that probably that are so annoyed by that. Think, why, you know, why are you shoving that Jesus stuff in my face again? I, I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear it. You know, the church just doesn't mean much to me. And, and that has not always been true. You know, you look through history. The church has gone through these cycles. I think about how difficult it must have been and how difficult it is in different parts of the world to just be a follower of Jesus. Where you could lose your life, lose your property. I mean, people come in and, and take everything from you just because you say, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus. And certainly in the early church, in the early days, there was a lot of persecution. It had to have been very hard 
to be a follower of Jesus. And then in some, of, some places and in some seasons and in some of our lives, there have been a season where it was not nearly as difficult to be a Christian. You almost say it was socially expected that Sunday morning, I mean, and not too long ago in our history, I mean, there was a time where businesses closed on Sundays to allow families to go to church, and that's who we were, and that's what we did, and it was just sort of, it wasn't just like, oh, it's a little bit easier, but it was an expectation that we're, we're all kind of doing this, and now it seems like we've kind of turned the other way, and it almost feels like everyone's sort of given up, or maybe we don't need the church anymore. I, maybe we'd be better off if there weren't any churches. You know, that song, one of the, there's a few songs that I hate. <laughs> Every time they come on the radio, i got to change the station because I can't stand it. And one of those, I'm sorry if this is one of yours that you love, but I cannot stand John Lennon's Imagine. I hate that song. <laughs> and it's like this, it's like this, oh, you know, just imagine if we could all just be in this perfect little paradise and everybody love each other and lovey-dovey and everything's perfect and pie in the sky and, and there's a line that says, well, imagine if there was no heaven and no hell and there's no, we're just, we're just here. We're just here living it up. Imagine if there was no religion. Wouldn't that just be wonderful and grand? Because then if, if there wasn't, if there was no religion, then we would all just get along just great and everybody would be happy. Just got it all backward. Because it, it assumes that the world is good and that when you get religion and when you get Jesus stuff in there, and oh man, now all of a sudden we got to deal with these judgmental, hypocritical people. But it's backward. The world's hopelessly broken. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. The world is not the source of peace. Christ is the source of peace. And, and it's, 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 it's the lie that so many have believed that we think, well, we're getting better. As time goes on, we're evolving and we're getting better. But the opposite is true. The world is in a state of decay. We're surprised when we see things happen in our world. Man, it's just getting worse. It's getting, I, I hear people say that all the time. I just, I just don't know what to do. Everything's getting worse. And it's like, yeah, it's almost like I read that somewhere. Like that was going to happen. Kingdoms rise, kingdoms fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. We, we get everything so backward, and, and it's only when we trust in the Lord we find life and we find peace. Scripture says, broad is the road that leads to destruction, but narrow is the path that leads to life, and few find it. People are so worried, they're like, I just see, the church seems like it's, in decline. The church in America seems like it's in decline. Why is that? And I say, because narrow is the path. That sort of scares us a little bit. It should, I think, motivate us to say, how, what is my role? What has the Lord called me to do? If I'm a part of the kingdom of God, Jesus says it starts with a little mustard seed, just a little bit of faith, and everyone benefits the birds come and they build nests in the tree. Everybody benefits when the people, and you got to hear this, when the people of God are the people of God, everybody benefits from that. There's not a hospital in this country that I know of that wasn't started by a follower of Jesus. That's why they're called Saint something or Christ Hospital or Baptist or whatever that they have these names because they were started by the church. Orphanages and homeless shelters and assistant pro, assistance programs and, and, and soup kitchens and all these things because the, the people of God throughout history have said, 
How can we help? How can we bless? God has formed us for a purpose. What do we need to be doing? And people think, well, the government can just take care of everybody. It's crazy. It'll never happen. It can't happen. It's not what we're formed for. But when the people of God have a little bit of faith, something amazing happens. And everyone benefits. The birds will build nests. It's not about what we do. It's about having a little bit of faith and a little bit of trust. We do what we can do, and then we allow God to use us. The Apostle Paul knew that. He he wrote in Philippians 4 that the same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches. See, we forget where it comes from. We, we, We live in this delusion that everything I have, I earned it. I did. I went out and I got it and it's mine and it belongs to me and I did and and I don't want anybody to take it away from me because it's mine, mine, mine. But the truth is one day your stuff is not going to be your stuff. Somebody, whether it gets locked up in probate (laughs) or you pass it on to somebody or maybe, uh, you know, hopefully, God willing, this wouldn't happen, but you, you, you end up in a nursing home and it gets sucked up there. Whatever happens to it, it's gone and it will be gone. Because everything belongs to the Lord. We are are the temporary part of this. The kingdom of God is eternal. We are passing through. And he says, I've made you stewards. I'm going to give you this. I'm going to bless you. And I want you to be responsible with this. Paul said, he'll take care of all your needs from his glorious riches. Big things happen when we have a little bit of faith. We have no idea what God will produce through a single seed that's planted in faith. Some of you, you believe you don't have much to offer. And my life isn't, you know, compare my life to someone else's life, and I'm not sure that I measure up. I'm not sure that I'm enough. It's not true. God absolutely loves using small things. Over and over and over again, He uses small things to confound the strong. Jesus went on in Matthew 13, he said that he also used this illustration. He said that the kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. And even though she put in only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Now what does that mean? You see, faith, when you trust God, when you take a step, as small as it may be, It impacts everything. You think of your history. One small step towards Jesus changes your family legacy forever. That's how generations are changed. Because one person took one small step. When one person has a little bit of faith, it permeates. There's not a corner of this earth that hasn't been impacted by the people of God. By the kingdom of heaven. There's not a corner of this earth that hasn't benefited. Because God's people have been faithful throughout history and because God has been faithful to us. So many people around the world have benefited. They may never recognize where it came from. The bird, he doesn't understand why he can build the nest in this tree that just happens to be here. He just enjoys the fact that it's there. So it is with the church. So it is with the church. My question for you is, do you really want that? Do you want to make a difference? Do you want your life to have impact? Do you want what Jesus is describing here? Do you want it to count for something more than just, I was born, I lived, and I died? Do you want something more? There's something in us, I believe, that wants to be part of something important. 
Forbes magazine uh, published an article called The Power of Purpose. It's really pretty interesting stuff. I thought, especially for people that you're trying to figure out, okay, what is this? Okay, millennials, how do they think? What's in their brain? And Gen Z, what are they thinking? What's going on there? This was kind of eye-opening to me. So the Cone Communications Millennial Employee Study. So they're, looking, they're surveying the millennials and saying, okay, well, how do they think? And it relates to their job and career. It found that 64% of millennials won't take a job if their employee doesn't have a strong CSR, which is a corporate social responsibility policy. And 83% would be more loyal to a company that helps them. Now think about this. It's not about what the company does, but it, that the company helps them contribute to social and environmental issues. In other words, I want to know that my life matters. I want to do something beneficial, not just for me. And so then Gen Z, the generation behind them, is the first, representing Gen Z there, they're the first generation, the first generation to prioritize purpose over salary. That stunned me. This is Forbes magazine. They're the first generation to prioritize purpose over salary. They are more worried about what they're doing and not what they're making. I want to know that I'm making a difference. They read mission statements and value documents to select where they work, and they want their employer's values to match their values. They expect consistency and authenticity. That's kind of interesting to me. It seems, people say, well, I think the church is dying. I don't think we'll ever be able to reach this younger generation. I say, I beg to differ. They need a purpose. They want to know they're part of something that matters. They want to be on mission is what I read and what I understand. Everyone wants to know that we stand for something, that my life meant something. We don't want to just be a cog in the wheel, just a part of the machine. We all have this desire deep down. I believe it was put there by God. I think it's part of the fingerprints of the Lord to do something that really matters. And Jesus called us to that. He didn't just say, this is a good idea, or maybe you should consider it. Or for some of you, this will be something that you might pursue. He calls all of us. He says, you want life? Follow me. You want to know what it's all about? Follow me. You want purpose? I'm the way. I'm the door. I'm the gate. I'm All these expressions that he used. Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. He gives us purpose. You take a little step, and you watch what I do with that. Very often, this is what I really want to drill down is that God asks us to do something that's attainable for us, a small step. You know, he's asked us to take, take a small step. Do what you can do, and then watch what I do with that. You, you do what you can do. You do what I'm asking you to do, just a small step of obedience. You take one small step of obedience, and you watch my faithfulness kick into action. Well, what if I told you that there was a simple step that you could take right now, not some crazy thing, not some new fad, not some, whoa, okay, what am I signing up for? But something that's as old as time that you could do right now that would not only make a difference in your life, but would be a guarantee to make a difference in the lives of other people and put you on mission. If I told you that there's a promise in Scripture right now, not just one or two or a few or a handful, but the majority of the Bible and the majority of Jesus' teaching has something to do with this in some way. It's somehow connected to this one promise that you will be blessed and you will bless others it's called generosity giving tithing whatever word you want to use over and over and over again through scripture jesus gives us this idea this 
this teaching, this challenge. This is, this is what I want you to do. This is what you're called to do. He says, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father, but this is what I want you to do. He says, and, and, and what it is, it is the, the act of returning to the Lord 10% of the income that he's provided to us. It's something that we do, and he says, I, I challenge you to do this. I want you to do this, and two things happen when we do it. When we take that simple step, two things. Number one, you are secretly displaying your trust in God. You know, you don't go around and brag about it. You know, I remember what was, I think it was a, several years ago, it was Adidas. They gave something like $100,000 away to a charity, and then they spent millions of dollars telling everyone about it. That's <laughs> sort of crazy. But this is a secret thing. It's almost like you don't let, the, the Scripture says, don't let the right hand know what the left hand's doing. You know, it's like this is just between you and the Lord. It's our personal act of worship where we're saying, God, I know you've asked me to do this, and I'm being obedient right now to you. And I'm going to do this because you've asked me and because you promised to take care of every single one of my needs. That's one thing that happens. We're, we're showing our faith and our trust. But the other thing that happens is we're having a direct impact in the lives of real people. All the things, all the good that's happened, the, the birds can build the nest because the seed was planted. People benefit. The kingdom of God expands when the people of God are the people of God when they're generous, like our God is generous. You're providing for real needs. You know, we may be, only be one church, or Fairdale Christian Church. You think, well, what can we do? We can't do a whole lot. You know, we can't feed everybody in this city or this state or this world. But you know what? We could feed a few hundred families for sure that are in need. Well, we couldn't clothe. We can't clothe everybody. There's so many needs out there. It's like the mountain. We can't do. What are we going to do? Well, how can we help somebody? Well, you know, we can certainly supply some necessities for the homeless in our community and let them know that Jesus loves them and well what about their choices I'm not talking about what their choices are I'm talking about the faithfulness of God and saying hey Jesus loves you can we pray for you you say well we, we, we can't, just can't take care of everybody we can't you know Christmas is coming up we can't buy Christmas presents for every child in Jefferson County no but you know what we can certainly and we will buy presents for a few hundred kids in our local schools that have a need and that we've identified with the school system to help out next month we'll do that and we can and so much more could be done should be done how when the people of God are generous because of the generosity of this place these people that call this place home we show our faith and God uses our faithfulness to make a difference for real people and he promises that we're blessed in the meantime now, I've just got a few minutes. I'm, I'm going to wrap up here, just to, but I, I, this is important. I don't want you to miss this part. Is, and a lot of times when we teach on tithing and generosity, I, I, don't, I, I want to move the needle a little bit because I feel like you know, we talk about the blessings that we receive. And there's lots of scriptures that promise us that, that when you give and it will be given to you. You know, you, you do this and God will take care of you, you know. And, and I could point to all kinds of those promises, but I would love for us to not be motivated by what we get, but be motivated by what we're able to give and who we're able to bless and, and how God will be honored through that. You know, and because when we focus on the selfish aspect, it's just all about self. It's just all about, well, me, 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 what do I get? 
What's my, and see, that's the whole, that's, that's where stinginess comes from. That's why we have a problem with the whole idea of generosity. It's because we live with this scarcity mindset. And this is like, it's just part of our brain, the way it works, is we believe that if I give it, then I don't have it. And if I don't have it, then I go without. And I don't want to do that. I, I want. So we hoard. But the whole idea of God's kingdom and where God tests us and our faith is he says, give it and then see what I do. And then watch as I bless you. Watch as I take care of your needs and as I take care of people around you. Now, Proverbs eleven twenty five, this is one of those, got to be careful, but it says a generous person will prosper. Do you want to be prosperous? Do you want to prosper? Do you want to say, you know what, I'd like to be able to be secure financially. I'd like to be able to feel that. Scripture says a generous person will prosper. Generosity is the key. You want to be refreshed. You say, man, I just feel like everything's so, oh, the world is just so dark and it's so difficult and everything's so hard. I need whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. God says if you want that, you've got to learn generosity. You've got to learn it. How, how could that possibly work? How could Because the scarcity mindset says if I give it, then I don't have it. How does this work? Jesus tells us in Luke 6, he says, give and you will receive. This is a promise from God, from our Lord and Savior. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. And then underline this in your mind. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. That's scripture. That's not Brandon's opinion. That's not me trying to get in your pocket. I, I feel like I would be a bad pastor and a bad friend if I didn't tell you this. This is important, but there's, there's a couple of problems that we have. One is we get impatient. We say, okay, so I, I write a check and then I, I just get it right back, right? That's the way it works because God said that, right? I think about like Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament. God had said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to make you a father of many nations. You're going to have a child. And, and, and then in Genesis 12, he says, I'm going to do this for you. And then in Genesis 15, it says that sometime later, and we don't know how long later, some theologians say it had to have been at least a decade or more. But whatever it was, there was an amount of time that passed. And it was enough for them to say, you know what, I'm, I'm tired of waiting. We're going to do it our own way now. This, is, this isn't working. I'm not, I don't trust God anymore. And that's when everything went wrong. Is when we get impatient or we get scared. That's the second, that's the second thing. And I think about the Israelites when they were... When they were brought out of captivity in Egypt, Moses was leading them out away from Pharaoh. All these miracles they'd seen, all this great stuff. They were right on the edge of the promised land. And you have to remember, the, the travel was supposed to take days, not years. They were right there on the cusp of inheriting the land that God had promised for them. He said, I've brought you out of slavery. I've got this place prepared. You're going to go in. You're going to occupy the land. And they sent some spies in, and they came back and said, oh, it's too scary. We can't go in. We, we can't do it. We can't do it. We shouldn't do it. And Joshua and Caleb were the only ones that said, we think we can. And everybody else, no, 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 no. And so they missed it. And God led them out into the wilderness to wander for 40 years until every single one of them had died except for Joshua and Caleb and the ones that had faith to go in and enter the land. Because we get scared and we miss out. Some people say, I can't afford to be generous. 
I'd push back and say, I don't think you can afford not to be. Uh, you know, I'll tell you what I believe is, and Scripture says this again and again. God says, I will do this. Have no fear. Trust. Trust. Jesus said in Luke 16, if you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large things. That's how I'll know. But if you're disobedient in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. So that's my teaching on the mustard seed. I always like to have a little challenge, though, because it's for me, and this is just the way my brain works. It's like I can take information and say, okay, great. Now what do I do with it? And so this is something that we did right before COVID and everything kind of messed it up. So I wanted to reintroduce it. Is in the back of about every other seat, there's some of these cards. You can take one if you want to look at it, take it home or whatever. But this is also on our website. If you go to fairdalechristian.org and you look for this, this up in the top, it'll say Tithe Challenge. And you look this up. This is just kind of our way of saying, like, we trust God too. Like, we all trust God together, right? So let's take him at his word. He says he'll be faithful. Then let's, let's make sure that this is, that this is how it, how, what he said. So here's my challenge to you. If you say, I've never stepped into generosity before. I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. And I'm not sure that it would work. This is our promise to you. You can take one of these cards if you want, or you can fill out the form on our website, either way. But basically, is we're challenging you to start tithing, which is, okay, I know what I make. I'm going to figure out what 10% of that is, and I'm going to start giving it back to the Lord. And we're asking you to do that for 90 days. So you sign the card, and, and you do that. And at the end of 90 days, if you can say that God has not blessed my life at all, you send us an email. It's on the card. You send us a little email. We'll refund you 100% of your money. No questions asked. There won't be any follow-up. There won't be any exit interview. There won't be any trying to talk you out of it. You send an email. Say, hey, this didn't work. We'll write you a check and put it in the mail. No questions asked. That's our promise to you because we believe and we trust that God is faithful and that Jesus said what he said. So there are a few ground rules because we have to have ground rules. Uh, number one is it has to be tracked. So if you give something to the church, you can't say, oh, no, you know, I just gave like a bunch of cash one time. It was like $10,000 or something. I need that back if you don't mind. That'd be great. Like we've got to be able to track it. We've got to know that it was you. Uh, so that's why the cards help for the online. If you give online, it's easy because it's all tracked. Otherwise, you know, use an offering envelope or check. You know, if you write a check, just put in the memo, you know, 90 days. We'll get it. But the other thing is it has to be 90 days. We, we can't write a check tomorrow and then the day after be like, oh, give it back, give it back right now. Like, you know, if you do, we'll give it back to you. But really, I would prefer you to just give the Lord a little time here. Be patient. You know, we get so impatient. Give him some time to, to work. And, 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 and the other thing is, man, pray about this. I'm not saying, oh, let's all do this and check our brains at the door and whatever. Pray. Ask God. Say, what do you think, Lord? Should I? Is this something I need to, to pursue? And if you've got questions, you can talk to any of the staff. We'll be happy to help you out with that. But uh, for me, that helps because I, I, want an, I want a challenge. I want to know, okay, what do you want me to do? Here's a step you can take. It may seem like a big one, but try it and see what God does. And if you can say it didn't work, no problem. So I, I just don't think I can make it any easier than that. You know, I, I don't think I could make that step any less difficult or less painful. But, but anyway, we'll try. Just pray about that and see how God would lead you. Let me pray.
Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be used by you. I'm grateful that you have given us all of these things, that you take care of us, you provide for us in amazing ways. And Lord, I know that for some of us, Right now is a, is a terrifying time. We're trying to figure out what the, the next steps in our life look like. Others of us, we've gotten way too comfortable and way too complacent. We're just, we've got our feet kicked up and we've forgotten what it looks like to, to trust you and to live by faith, not by sight. Help us all, no matter where we are, Lord, to, to have a little bit of faith, to take a little step, to plant a little seed in your name for your glory so that the world might know that Jesus is king. We ask all this in his name. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next Sunday.